Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning. It's a real privilege this morning to share the Word of God with you and to invite you into my home and for you to, for me to be invited into your home. And this morning, I'd just like to continue our series of gospel encounters where Jesus meets and has a dramatic encounter with the Roman centurion. And we find this in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So if you've got Bibles, let's turn there and just read this portion of scripture. Uh, Matthew, chapter 8, verses 5 to 17. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralysed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. It's an incredible story. There was no laying on of hands. There was no big prayer. Jesus just said, go home. It's going to happen. And the first thing that I, I see from this encounter is that the Roman centurion knew where to come. He knew where to come. And we have to ask ourselves a question as missional people is that do folk know where to come when they've got to the end of their tether, when everything else is exhausted to resolve the situations in their lives, whether it be sickness, healing, depression, whether they just feel that their lives are just dead end and worthless. Do they know where to come? And there's a challenge with all of us that people know, people need to know what we know. People, we need to be known by people as the people of the way, the people of faith, the people of God. We need to be known for our happiness, for our acts of kindness, our faith. We need to be known for our supernatural element, um, the fact that we move with supernatural abilities. And that's quite a challenge. But we are Jesus on the earth. And when I look through the Gospels, I see that many times that Jesus was known and people knew what he could do and they would go to great lengths and throw aside any of their preconceptions or concerns or worries about what anybody else would say. Let's turn to uh, Mark chapter 5 verse 21 and I'm reading um, from 21 to 23. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of a local synagogue, whose name was Jarius, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she can live. 
And then in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, four men arrived carrying a paralysed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then they lowered the man on his mat right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralysed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Let's just imagine that. Let's just put ourselves in that setting. You know, we're at church on Sunday and we're singing and we're praising God and we're dancing. And all of a sudden the doors come open and somebody comes in with a stretcher with a man on it. And one of the guys carrying the stretcher said, I know that if people come to this church, they get healed. What would we do? But that's where we that's where I want to be, folks. You know, there's a knock on the door one day and you open the door and a complete stranger said, I just know that if you lay my hands on my child, she'll be healed. You know, it's a great, it's an amazing challenge. But, you know, whether we're in Market Harbour, whether in Tamworth, Colville, Stony Stanton or Kenya, God is calling us to make ourselves known. Our mission is to be known as the people of God. You know, we don't hide our light under a bushel. You know, we, we learn, we talk so much now about lockdown and lock-in. But, you know, without flouting the laws that we've been given, the Church of God is not locked down. The Church of God is not in stasis. The Church of God is moving forwards all the time. And we need to move forward with great power and anointing because the mission field is still out there. God doesn't want us to hide our light under a bushel. And in Matthew 5, verse 14, um, Jesus talks about the, the lamp on the lampstand on, on the top of the hill. And I just want to read it from the message because the message literally says this. It says, there's another way to put it. You are to be a light bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous heavenly father. And I just love that line that says you'll prompt people to open up with God because that's what we're looking to do. We're looking for people to be open, to talk about their lives so that we can just pour in God's blessing. You know, we can get so anxious about trying to get others to believe in God. And, and obviously we don't try to get people to believe in God, but sometimes we can feel a tremendous pressure on us. And we need to take a stance. We need to be serious about looking for opportunities for God to give us opportunities to speak into people's lives. We talk about um, divine appointments and um, circumstances that allow us to move in the presence of God. And it, and it all can sound very radical. But I just want to give you a testimony of something that I do every day. And I just believe it opens doors for me. And it's three little words and it's God bless you. God bless you. 
And I just make a habit now of whenever I'm with somebody, particularly who's not saved, whenever I go in a store or supermarket or meet somebody or wherever I go, whenever I leave somebody, I say, God bless you. God bless you. And you would be amazed at the response that I get from that. People will sometimes say, God bless you. Are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Some people say, thank you. I really received that. One time um, before we lived in Harborough, there was a local chip shop and I used to go there. And whenever the lady served me, I would say, God bless you. And one night I went and she was sat the customer side of the counter, a young man was serving and when she saw me walk into the shop she jumped up she ran around the counter she literally pushed this young guy away and she said I want to serve this man because he blesses me in the name of the Lord and you just don't know what you're pouring into people's lives so be encouraged that by the little things that you do the little things that you say the little things that you don't say People will respond to that in a very positive way. There was no barriers between the centurion and Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. The centurion was a Roman and the Romans were occupying the Jewish nation. So there shouldn't there should have been, you know, friction between them. But, you know, the centurion didn't see any barriers in coming to Jesus. You know, he could have said and barriers cut both ways. He could have said, well, you know, I'm proud. I've got my reputation to think of. These are things that we all say when we look at talking to people about God. My standing in the community, my position, I need to maintain my position. You know, often we think, do people really need God? Yes, they do. Um, I'm too wealthy. I'm too poor to relate to that person. You know, our language, we could be on, we're on different worlds, the different circles and spheres that we, we move in. There, there could be distance because of it, because of our different types of relationships and work positions and financial positions. There could be distance between us. We may think, oh, they're too busy or I'm too busy. Do they really need God? Yes, they do. They could be foreigners or strangers, but no one is a foreigner and stranger to Jesus. And these barriers are all around us. But simple words, simple conversations, open doors. We can't turn to it now because of time. But in John 4, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he asked her one question and it opened up a whole life and probably affected a whole village. And all, she, all he said was, go and fetch your husband. <laughs> we need to show the attractiveness of Christ in our lives. I just, I just want to go back to that part in the message again, where it says that, You'll prompt people to open up to God. You'll prompt people to open up to God. Prompt people to open up to God today. You know, Christ crosses all barriers. And there's a little play on words there. Christ crosses. His cross crosses all the barriers. It crosses the barrier of sin. It crosses the barrier of circumstances. It crosses the barriers of the past. It crosses the barriers of, of circumstances and situations. The cross of Christ crosses out everything and brings us into his glorious presence. The cross of Christ crosses everything out and brings us into his glorious presence. The second thing that I notice is that the centurion never asked Jesus to heal his servant. He, 
he probably didn't have he probably didn't get that far because straight away Jesus says I will come and heal him and the thing was that Jesus saw the need he saw the need in that man's life and that's so important to us as a as a missional people is that we see the need in people's lives you know David's often talked about missional church and we should be those who look outwards and not inwards. And that's what a missional church does. It's always looking at the harvest field. It's always looking at people's lives. And when we become missional people, we always say, I will come. I will come. And when we start to see that, when we do that, when we start to see the needs in people's lives, it really changes us. I know it's changed me. It actually starts to hurt us because we start to see with Jesus's eyes and we start to feel his compassion and the list of barriers disappears. You know, we feel compelled to do something. And the, and the good news is that being compelled doesn't mean always putting your hand in your pocket, <laughs> although that is good. But it's the Great Commission. We read this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go, go, go. Uh, some, of, some of the older members listening now remember um, a singer called Keith Green. And one of his very last songs before he went to be with the Lord was Jesus commands us to go. And really, that's what Jesus is saying to us. We need to go into all the world. And we need to, I pray daily that I would have a heart towards people like Jesus, because I know that will overcome all my prejudices, all my, all the wrong things that I think, all the, all the barriers, all the doubts that I have in my mind. And it's very practical, but it changes us. It changes us right in our hearts and it allows us to be known to people for who we are and what we believe in. Lord, I just pray this morning that we would be those that would see the need, that we would see the need in folks' hearts and that, Lord, it would change us. And Lord, I just pray that you would make us creative in every way, that when things come across our paths in people's lives, that we would see the need and that we would go in the power of your spirit. Amen. The next thing um, that I saw was that the officer said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. He says in, in verse eight, he said, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. It's the same word and it's only used twice in the Gospels, but it's the same word that's used by John the Baptist. We won't turn there now. But in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says this. He said, I baptise with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and to carry or untie his sandals. He will baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he regarded Jesus very highly because he knew who he was. And it was such a sign of humility on the on the Roman centurion's um, part. He knew where to come. There was respect and a reverence for Jesus. His position and standing, he, 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 he understood, despite the fact that Jesus was a Jew and he was a Roman. 
And there's just something about that, that people people can look to, to God's people and respect them. And we mustn't feel that in any way that we sort of second best or push down because we have the answer to all life's problems. The centurion realised that God's kingdom had authority and that authority ran all the way through it. You know, the centurion realised that because of Jesus's authority, on his authoritative command, he could call his servant to be healed, even over distance. You know, he hadn't decided that Jesus got to lay hands on him. You know, Jairus said, come and lay your hands on my daughter. But the centurion understood the authority of Jesus and knew that if he just said the word, he would be healed. That's just incredible. You know, he knew, he understood authority. You know, he was a centurion um, under Herod Antipas and he had command of 100 men. Uh, 80 of them would have been fighting soldiers, 20 of them would have been servants. And he was part of a battalion who was then part of a, a legion which was probably five or six thousand soldiers. And he knew there was a chain of command. He knew there was command above him and below him. He was a man who took orders and he was a man who knew how to give orders. He understood authority. And anyone in authority must view himself as being under authority. You see, the centurion didn't say to Jesus, I'm a man in authority. I understand how it works. He said, I am a man set under authority. And this declaration, it communicates um, and expresses a humility and a sense of accountability to God. And he was careful how he used that power. He knew his power. He knew his power. And he knew his power and ability to command. But he also knew the power and ability above him. He knew in his absence his commands would be carried out. And there's just something about this whole authority that he respected in Jesus, that there was something that he totally got about Jesus saying, be healed, your servant is healed. Some commentators believe this man was a Christian. And I have to struggle with that a bit because he, he grasped, he got Jesus. He understood that. And this morning we have authority. We have authority over sickness. We have authority over sin. We have authority over poverty and fear and doubt and depression because we are the people of God and we're in authority and under his mighty, precious authority. And he has given all authority to us over these things. And that is so exciting. The third thing that we see from this, from this encounter, is that the Roman centurion understood and respected and believed the power of the spoken word. When he, when Jesus said to him, your servant is healed, go home. He didn't say, are you sure? He went because he knew, he understood Jesus' authority. He understood that Jesus saw his need. He knew where to come. The Bible says in, uh, in Genesis chapter one, verse three, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was light. And the psalmist says in 148 verse 5, let every created thing give praise to the Lord for he issued his for he issued his command and it came into being. He issued his command and it came into being. You see, our words are very creative. God is a creative God. We are created in his image and we have many God characteristics in us because we're in his image. <clears throat> 
And our words are so creative, so creative. But they can also be very destructive. They can be destructive to ourselves and to other people. And we need to be careful what we say. (coughs) There isn't time to go through it today. But in James chapter 3, it talks about controlling the tongue. And I just want to paraphrase it a little bit uh, because of time. But James gives three examples. He gives the example of the horse, the example of the boat and the example of the forest fire. And in these three examples, he explains that a very small thing has a very big effect on the larger thing. So in the case of a horse, there's a bit in the horse's mouth, big, powerful horse, and it can be steered. I'm not into horses, but, you know, I would imagine a bit is a, a piece of metal like that and it moves the whole animal. We look at a big oil tanker, huge, great thing as it goes through the sea, and yet the rudder as a percentage of the whole is tiny in comparison, and yet it literally can turn the oil tanker around. And a forest fire can be started by a spark. It can be started by a flame as big as a match flame, and yet it could destroy the whole forest. That is the power of the tongue. And James says these things should never be, that blessing and cursing can come out of the same mouth, especially mouths of the children of God. Proverbs 15.4 says this, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And God wants us to be a tree of life. You know, the tree of life, Deborah last week talked about the tree of life in the garden. And we are the tree of life to people. People come to the tree. And we need to be trees to people. You know, the Bible talks about the cross being a tree, that Jesus was hung on a tree. It's not a coincidence. Jesus' people are being called to the cross. We are crosses in people's lives. We are a representation of Jesus himself in the world. And God, we are called as trees of life to call people to, to himself and not to crush their spirit with the things that we say. You know, the tongue can cause life or death, blessing or cursing, poverty or prosperity, love or hate. And we must always be those that are speaking life, we're speaking blessing, we're speaking prosperity, we're speaking love to one another and to those around us. Because those around us, the world, notices it because it's so foreign, it's so different. It is a different language. People are attracted by positive people. People are attracted by people that are always optimistic. That's not that we live a lie, but we live in God. And when we spend time in his word, it just flows out of us because it can't be held in. The psalmist said it's like a fountain of life, a spring of life. Oftentimes, Mandy will say to me, Stephen, take a breath. If it isn't going to bless somebody, then don't say it. And it's a it's a really good piece of advice. So let's be careful what we say. Let's only say good things. Let's be influencers in the world, in the harvest field. The next thing that we see is that the Roman centurion understood the power and ability of Jesus. And that's so important. So, so important. When we read the account earlier of Jarius and his daughter, he flung himself before Jesus 
and he pleaded fervently with Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter. But the Roman centurion didn't do that. He came to Jesus. He said that his servant was at home lying sick. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And then the centurion said, no, you don't need to do that because I understand authority. I'm a man under authority. I do this. I do that. You're a man under authority, but you have authority and you only have to say, be healed and he will be healed. And that was so, so important that he understood the power and ability that Jesus had. And it says that Jesus was amazed. And some versions say that he was stunned, he was taken aback. Let's just read that in verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, he wasn't criticising Israel because he said, I haven't seen faith like this. I haven't seen faith like this. And it's almost like he just thought this guy's got it. And he was so taken aback. He was amazed. And the only other time that Jesus uses um, that word in the Greek in the Gospels is in Mark 6, 6, where it talks about that he was amazed at their unbelief when he was um, ran out of his own town, when they rejected him. And he turned to the crowd. He turned to the crowd and he made this statement. Um, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I just get a real sense of joy from Jesus there, that he was... He, he was like, this guy's just got it. He's seen something. He's seen something of the kingdom. And um, I know what that joy is like. You know, when we see people saved, when we see people come through into some new revelation, when we see people set free from something that's held them back for years, when we, when we see people get baptised, you know, there's a joy in our hearts. And I think that's the joy that Jesus felt. That He just thought, this guy's got it. He's, you know, it's clicked. I thought it was great. And then he turns to the Roman officer and he says, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that very hour. And that very hour Im implies straight away, straight away. So just in summing up this morning, you know, we need to be those that are known. People need to know where, who we are and they need to know where to come because the mission field is ripe for harvest. And we need to be those who can see the need. You know, that's Mandy and I, that is our prayer often. Lord, help us to see the need in people's hearts, to see the, and that can be very practical, you know, and Lord, the things that we can do to help people, to show people, to, in a sense, educate people to the wonderfulness of God. Know the power of your words. You know, it would be it wouldn't be a message from Stephen Russell if I didn't say, read your word, spend time in your word. The word of God changes everything in our lives it alters every situation it is more powerful I'll stop there because we could be here all day but I just want to encourage you I want to implore you I want to plead with you 
if you're not spending time in your word, then really get to grips with it because it will change your life in so many ways I can't describe. God is all powerful in our lives. He has great power and he has great ability and he's given it to us in the form of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and that's another message I'll leave for another day. I just want to reach out to people this morning who may not know God. You know, I've talked about being know that people know who we are, that we're known for who we are. But you may not know God this morning. And you may be somebody who's thinking, I don't know who God is. You may have a need in your life. You know, we talked about seeing the need. You may have a need. God can meet that need. You may be somebody that has felt the harshness of words, that words have crushed your life or damaged your life. And you may be listening this morning and thinking, I need to see the power and the ability of God in my life. Well, the good news is that all those things are available to you. And I know at the bottom of the screen now, there will be an email address where you can get in touch with us. And we would love to hear from you. And we would love to introduce you to the love and power of God that can change your life in so many ways. So that's me done. Have a great week. Go in the power of his spirit and the knowledge of his love and be known in the world because God is good. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.